Follow Cape Talk on Twitter at Cape Talk. Gavin Gray, who came to Cape Town to soak up a bit of sun in the, the sort of December time, and uh, we I, I had the pleasure of chatting to to Gavin downstairs. Gavin, uh, very good morning to you, and welcome to the show. Uh, good morning, Zane, and uh, lovely to speak to you and, and finally see you uh, <laughs> on the visit. Did you have a fantastic time in Cape Town? Yes, lovely, thank you very much. And um, uh, travelled a little bit further north in a higher car. We've been along the garden route before, so this time went up um, uh, uh, just further north all the way to Citrusdale and the Cedarberg Mountains. It, it was wonderful, thank you. Gavin, uh, chatting to you about what's happening internationally and what's happening out in the UK, your Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, is expected to announce a deal uh, on the Northern Ireland Protocol this week. Yes, uh, but there are lots of things that could get in the way. So to explain, the Northern Ireland Protocol is basically the trade deal that the UK agreed with the EU, and it was agreed in order to ensure the free movement of goods across the Irish land border after Brexit. So, of course, the only border, the only land border that the UK has with the EU is between Northern Ireland and Ireland. Uh, And so at the time, it was agreed that, in a sense, goods would be checked in the the sea, as it were, between the mainland of the UK and Northern Ireland. So the fear was from the EU that things were going to be deliberately taken to Northern Ireland and then driven into uh, Ireland, part of the EU, without the necessary checks, because there is no land border there because that all got broken down as part of solving the the troubles the terrorism and so forth in the 70s 80s and 90s but the problem is how to replace this uh, political impasse um, the unionist parties so supporters of northern ireland remaining within the uk say you know we're being treated differently here we feel like we've almost been hived off into another land as part of the eu because of these checks after all we don't have checks for the goods coming into london why should there be checks on goods coming into northern ireland we don't exactly know what the new deal that's been uh, thrashed out between uh, our prime minister rishi sunak and the eu leaders is Uh, There are rumors of some sort of a two-lane highway where, for instance, uh, goods coming uh, into Northern Ireland would either go through a red channel. They're the ones that might be uh, going down into Ireland and goods that are in a green channel, a bit like customs, and they're the ones that are intended for use and consumption in Northern Ireland only. It sounds very simple, but there are all sorts of things that need to be dealt with before that can be done. And I don't mean physical channels of red and green. I mean it would all be done on computers and technology beforehand with some checking at the ports and airports. Um, But the prime minister has a lot of convincing to do. He's got to convince the unionists, as I mentioned, in Northern Ireland. He's got to convince the Brexiteers within his party that he's not watering down the existing agreement. Um, And just in the newspapers this morning, Boris Johnson, the former prime minister, has said it would be a huge political mistake if he actually uh, basically ripped up a piece of legislation that Boris Johnson had introduced called the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill. And without getting too busy, what that basically is doing is working its way through Parliament, which, according to Boris Johnson, gives 
the UK the upper hand in future negotiations about this. But many are saying this has to be sorted out. The parties in Northern Ireland have been without a working government now for well over a year because the unionists feel so strongly about this. And it's something we'll be watching, obviously, because this is the, the, the sort of post-Brexit trading arrangements uh, for the Northern Ireland Protocol. Uh, and it's essential, you know, um, sometimes we, we, we tend to do things like a, like a Brexit agreement uh, and, and we don't think about what's going to happen over the next three to five years. Uh, Gavin Gray chatting to us this morning from London and catching up with what's happening on the international as well as the UK scene. Uh, in the UK, rail workers and staff at Royal Mail announced more strike action while nurses step up the industrial action by announcing, uh, you know, the biggest stoppage so far. Yes, and uh, inflation did come down again this month, uh, but it's still above 10%. So many unions are saying, look, if our uh, salary agreements go up by less than 10%, we're effectively taking a pay cut. The government is saying, yes, but inflation has spiked. It's coming back down. We don't want to agree to excessive pay rises. It won't be 10% all year sort of thing. Uh, and the rail workers, who have caused a series of stoppages uh, throughout the uh, uh, winter, have just uh, said, right, uh, no agreement has been reached, so we're stepping up our action. Four more strike days announced between mid-March and the 1st of April, which uh, sadly is going to be the start of the Easter school holidays for many people. Um, and uh, they uh, are saying that the offers that have been made simply aren't enough. The nurses, yes, they have significantly stepped up their strike action. We've now the biggest uh, strike action announced for 48 hours from the 1st to the 3rd of March. Um, border force workers began their strike on Friday. They uh, are causing some problems at Calais in northern France, where they have a post to, to uh, get tourists through back to the UK. Uh, and uh, queues at Calais for the tunnel and the um, uh, ferries, rather, are said to be six hours long because of this strike. Uh, and so you can imagine, I'm afraid, yeah, Strike UK has become a phrase regularly used here with no sign that these individual problems are being solved. Chatting this morning to Gavin Gray about the UK rail workers and uh, the staff at Royal Mail and now nurses that are stepping up uh, their, uh, their sort of stoppages. And, and the thing is, Gavin, it's, it's quite true because when inflation is 8% and you're only offered a 4% or a 3% salary increase, you're actually taking a pay cut because, you know, your medical aid goes up and your electricity goes up or the, or the little electricity that we do have uh, in South Africa goes up. I wonder, you experienced load shedding when you were here, isn't it? Gavin? Absolutely. And as frustrating, I mean, gosh, to running a business, uh, you know, a restaurant, a hotel, running a, an office must be very, very, uh, very difficult and very frustrating. And I, uh, yes, I felt for you and certainly noticed it significantly across the country. Gavin Gray chatting to us. Meanwhile, Gavin, in, in Germany, seven major airports were brought to a standstill after hundreds of ground crew walked out on a strike in a raw overpay again. Yes, I'm afraid we're not the only country which is uh, suffering from high inflation and strikes. Uh, and uh, many people consider Germany to be a very solid economy, which it is, but it isn't immune from the same sorts of feelings. So inflation there 
running uh, not quite as high as the UK, but certainly up towards 10%. Uh, many of the unions demanding, uh, many of the unions regarding uh, air transport are demanding 10.5% pay increase. And that led to 2,300 flights cancelled when they walked out, uh, and that affected 300,000 passengers. Uh, it affected Frankfurt, Munich, Stuttgart, Bremen, Hamburg, Hanover, and Dortmund airports. So a massive, massive uh, ground crew walkout that day causing big disruption. Um, but they've uh, already said, well, the uh, negotiations are not going well, and uh, we'll get back around the table this week. It looks like they're going to start renegotiating on Tuesday, but they've said if it is not sorted out, they're going to significantly step up their action. Uh, and um, for those coming and traveling in and around Europe or using uh, any German airport as a hub, that will really, really uh, affect your travel plans. Um, and so they haven't specifically said what they're going to do, but what many experts are looking at is effectively that they could hold stoppages alternate days because it's very difficult to get things back working for a single day or could announce a block booking a strike action which will really affect that and i mentioned it's not just the uk and germany france massive strikes there over pay yes but also over plans by president emmanuel macron to uh, make people work longer before they receive a pension something many other european nations have already faced We've already faced it here in the UK. It used to be a retirement age of 65 for men and 60 for women. Equality meant that uh, uh, the government said, right, well, women can be retiring at the same time as men and put it up to 67 for men. Um, so uh, already France a bit out of step because they are able to retire much earlier. But that is all strike action in France as well. Mm. So many things changing these days. I mean, at retirement age of 67, a, a number of people just can't afford to retire. And that's why an increase in the retirement age is probably essential with another two to three years worth of contribution. You could buy yourself a, a relatively comfortable sort of lifestyle. 20 minutes past nine o'clock, you're on Cape Talk and we're chatting to Gavin Gray in our UK report this morning. So the energy prices may have jumped to unprecedented highs, uh, but for France's state-controlled power company EDF 2022 was actually a very miserable year, Gavin. It was indeed. They recorded huge losses. 320 billion South African rand losses. Uh, that's the third biggest in French corporate history, the worst for more than 20 years. And the debts uh, that uh, EDF, this company, has have massively increased as well. Uh, it, it is an extraordinary loss. Um, and uh, the figure was in marked contrast, however, to the EDF UK business, because EDF uh, generates electricity in the UK, and that made a profit of 20 billion South African rand. Uh, it supplies electricity and gas to 5 million households. But across the world, EDF has had a shockingly bad year. The reason, well, uh, the French government put an energy price cap on uh, its electricity and gas for French consumers, and that really hit EDF extremely hard. Um, and this uh, uh, energy price rise was capped to 4% in 2022 and then 15% in 2023. Now, that's meant inflation is lower in France, 
but it has also really hit EDF. And why should the French government mind that? Well, because uh, actually uh, or EDF has 80% of France's electricity company, and it is state-owned. In other words, the government owns 84% of EDF. So although President Macron did a clever thing in limiting the price rises and that limited inflation, and that in turn, of course, has meant there are fewer strikes in France in a sense, um, it has led to government debt uh, racking up massively about this. Uh, and so EDF having a very harsh time. I have to tell you, though, other energy companies here in the UK, Shell and uh, BP, standing for British Petroleum, announced massive, massive quarterly profits, um, some of the largest in corporate history, which, again, has led to further calls here in the UK of a windfall tax specifically aimed at energy companies to try and haul back some of the huge profits they've made while price rises have been going through the roof. Mm. We're still waiting with the bated breath in uh, South Africa with uh, the announcement of uh, a Minister of Electricity. You know, the president says we need a minister of electricity. So obviously it needs funding, it needs ministers to be paid, it needs a deputy minister, it needs a director general in the department. And it's just a whole lot of money. So I don't think energy is, you know, energy is it's one of those things that we rely on all the time. And I mean, 320 billion rand is a lot of money. Gavin, the, the Royal Mail is rejected mm-hmm. and an absurd ransom demand of about 66. Seven million pounds from from hackers who are linked to Russia. Surely one would have expected them to have been protected against this. Yes, indeed. And uh, questions are no doubt going to be asked about their computer systems as to how they were so susceptible to this attack, thought incidentally to come from Russia. Um, but uh, the state authorities in Russia say it's nothing to do with them. Now, what's rather interesting uh, about this is, of course, there have been a series of uh, uh, hacking uh, attempts and successes against big companies around the world. And indeed, the hackers uh, have made uh, hundreds of million of South African rand in ransom. They basically wait until they've got the money and then they uh, release the system back again, as it were. Now, we did find out early in the new year that parcels into and out of the UK were severely affected by a system glitch, the Royal Mail said. Well, we now know that to be a a cyber attack. Um, But what's rather interesting here is that uh, two weeks after the talks began about trying to get the system back off and talking to uh, Lockbit, which is the group that hacked into the Royal Mail software, um, uh, there's been a leak of some of the communications between Royal Mail and Lockbit. Uh, Now, apparently Lockbit sent a ransom of uh, $80 million. So we're talking uh, roughly, gosh, I suppose about 70 million South Africa, 70 million pounds. uh, And uh, that would therefore be 1,400 million South African rand. And that's equivalent to about 0.5% of the company's revenue. So not an insignificant figure. But the revelation of the correspondence between the two is rather funny because Royal Mail said um, uh, that, look, are you mad? This is an absurd amount of money. Look at our profit and loss. Look at our accounts for the last few years. We've been making loss upon loss upon loss. We can't afford to pay you this much. 
Well, Lockbit said, well, hang on a minute, you'll get fined quite significant sums of money by the British government because we managed to hack you and you failed to protect your data. Um, and uh, you could be left with a much bigger bill than our ransom demand because the government will fine you that for not protecting your data. Uh, but Royal Mail wrote back, and I quote Zane, all we have had is losses. Here, you can read about it yourself and sent them a link to a newspaper article warning of 10,000 job cuts and massive losses of uh, some 450 million pounds. Lockbit said, you're bluffing, uh, and said that they uh, think that they ought to pay up and finish this nightmare. Um, but then the Royal Mail board sent another email back, and I quote, under no circumstances will we pay you the absurd amount of money you've demanded. We've repeatedly tried to explain we're not the large entity you have assumed, but a smaller subsidiary without the resources you think we have. Anyway, it goes backwards and forwards, and they're still locked in this negotiation with Lockbit, the, uh, the ransom holder, saying, uh, well, what will you pay? And the Royal Mail saying, well, we can't pay anywhere near what you said. But uh, this is a real insight into the sort of uh, negotiations which are going on by not just Royal Mail, but others who have been held, uh, as it were, by the cyber attackers with ransom demands. Gavin, great chatting to us this morning. Gavin, we, we're in the month of love, so we're doing love songs this morning. Any specific love song you love? Ah. Do you know, uh, it's, uh, I do love a few love songs. Uh, the funny thing is that the, the song that I absolutely love, which is a sort of love-hate song, is uh, the uh, Carly Simon, You're So Vain uh, song, which is, a, <laughs> which is a, as you can imagine, a bit of a love-hate uh, song about a love affair that goes wrong. I think it was out in the 80s, maybe. But um, yes, Carly Simon, You're So Vain. And uh, of course, she also did one of the Bond themes, didn't she? A very, very mm. talented uh, songstress. Yeah. Uh, somebody suggested this morning leaving on a jet plane as a love song, which I, I felt was... <laughs> So, but I think the, very the, good. The very part good. of it, could, uh, yes, I'm sure there are some other uh, cynical ones we could use as well. Then, Gavin, great chatting to us this morning. Thank you so much, Gavin. And we catch up again with what's happening in London and the UK and the rest of the continent up there on uh, Sunday morning next week at about nine thirty.